Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. How many of y'all would say, that's my prayer? You know, I'm not enough unless he meets me. Amen. That's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks together. As we've been talking about what does it look like to be the life of a Jesus follower. I want you to think about that again as we sort of, in these last couple of weeks, I'm going to uh, really put some application to the sermons that we've preached over the past few weeks. It's good to be able to talk about, you know, the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. And we talked about three specific relationships. If you remember right, we started off with our, talking about our relationship with the Father, right? The relationship with the Father is the priority. If you're going to be a Jesus follower, if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to do what Jesus did. He focused his relationship on the Father. Amen? This was the priority. But listen, we're going to talk today, not only is it the priority, but I want to talk in applicational form that this is also the foundation. Everything that you do, everything that happens in your life, everything that you do as a follower of Jesus ought to stem out of your relationship with the Father. You know, we could put inside this box, we could put inside this box, you know, my, my relationship with other people, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids should stem out of my relationship with the Father. My relationship with the people in the church, my relationship to the world, all stems out of this relationship with the Father. Should all go in this box. My devotion time, my Bible study time, we're going to talk about today a little bit. That should all go in this box, Amen. Because I want it to flow out of this. Listen, Bible study is not about checking a box. It's not about some religious duty. It's about relationship. Specifically, it's about our relationship with the Father. And as we spend time with the Father, bless God, He will help us in our relationship with each other. So we talked about abiding, and then we talked about connecting. We said, you and I want to connect. We want to be in group time like this. We want to gather time. We want to be in these times together where we we often meet. Amen. I think of the early church in the book of Acts, they met daily. Can you imagine meeting daily for church? Wouldn't that just be an incredible, incredible thing? I would love it. You know, get to preach every day. That'd be exhausting. No, I don't think they preach every day, but you know what they did do every day? They studied the word every day. They came together and they learned, they studied the apostles doctrine and teaching. You know, they came together, they broke bread together. They had this wonderful fellowship going on. The church, listen, we don't put meeting uh, on our agenda like we should. We let a lot of things get in the way of connecting and being together. And then out of our relationship with the Father, not only connecting with one another, but this world in which we live in. You know, not, not loving the world, but loving on the world. Amen? So not loving the world, it's system. You know, the devil is the God of this world. When we talk about the system, the, the way things happen, the, the evil that we see. But the world, the people, for God so loved the world, the people, that's our responsibility. Amen? The baton's been passed to us. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's loving on the world. That's what we want to do. And so we've talked about all these things the past few weeks together. Matter of fact, we spent seven weeks talking about what does it mean to have the life of a Jesus follower. And we boiled it all down to relationships. It's not about, listen, it's not about what you do or don't do. For so long, that's what we've made church. We've made church all about, 
You know, make sure you read your Bible. Make sure you go to church. Go to Sunday school. Go to small group. Come to Wednesday night prayer meeting. Go to all these events. Do all these things. And churches are busy, you know. I'll never forget Junior Hill. Some of you may not know Junior Hill. It's okay. Junior Hill is a great evangelist of years past. He's still preaching some, but he's up in years now. But Junior Hill said he preached the revival at a church. He said God really showed up. It's just a tremendous revival experience. And he said at the end of this last revival service, he said, one of the staff members come running down the aisle, hooting and hollering and saying, hold on, before we close the service, I got a big announcement I need to make. And Junior Hill said, man, I just thought to myself, God just busted this thing wide open. There's probably some more people got saved I didn't even know about. He said, the guy got to the platform and here's what he said. He said, don't forget that this week starts our new ceramics class in the Family Life Center. <laughs> you talk about throwing a wet blanket on the Holy Ghost, Amen. Listen, we, we can get busy as a church. We're not talking about getting busy because we can be busy but not be Jesus followers. Amen? So today I want to sort of just take this turn and I want to talk about how do we, because here's the important thing. We know what a life of a Jesus follower is, but how do I nurture that relationships? How is it that I spend my time with God or spend my time in connection with each other? Or how do I relate to the world? How do we deal with those relationships on a practical way? Because it's okay to talk about it in theory, but I, you know, I get tired of reading books about theory. You ever, you know, college classes I took, some of them were just theory. It's like, you know, this is sort of a waste of my time. I remember telling my science professor, you know, so like, you know, dude, really? I mean, like, I got to learn this again. Like I learned this in high school. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be teaching science. Why do I got to learn this again? You know? Uh, it's because they want money and they have to have so many credits. So I had to do it, right? That's why I did it. But I, I get tired of just theory. I want, uh, by the way, let me just throw this little disclaimer on there. Uh, if you're in science class and don't like it, just do it anyway, okay? I wasn't saying rebel and don't do it. I did do the science class. So don't, you know, don't rebel against that because you'll get me in trouble with your parents. Uh, but we want to nurture these relationships. And one of the ways we do that is spending time nurturing those three different relationships, developing them. And we want to spend time doing that. So what I'm going to do for the next four weeks, and I may knock it down to three because Easter's coming and I don't want to really separate things. So I want to go a different direction in, in May. But I want to talk about relationships this way. I want to talk about, first of all, God time. Then I want to talk about us in our gather time. That's what we're doing this morning. We're gathering. Then I want to talk about group time. You know, we've talked about small groups. You've heard me talk about small groups. Listen, small group, we do small groups two ways at First Baptist Little Plains. We do that in Sunday school. So some of you are meeting in Sunday school classes, and we want you to be involved and engage in those. If you don't know anything about those Sunday school classes, if you'll see me at the door, uh, I'll be glad to help you to discover where you can go to Sunday school. And then we've talked we talk about there's class, or not class, but there's groups who are meeting outside the church facilities. They're meeting some are meeting on Sunday nights, some are meeting on other nights during the, during the week, or we got a senior adult group that meets during the week on a, is it Tuesday, Miss Pat? Meet on a Tuesday, David's teaching that class, uh, leading, or facilitating that group. So, so we want to talk about this, this gather time and group time. And then lastly, we want to talk about go time. You know, it does no good for me to stand up here and preach that we ought to be making disciples if we never go out and make disciples. Because that's what we ought to be doing, Right? A church that is making disciples is a missional church. And, and we're going to be talking more about that. And, and we sort of lit that fire, I hope, for you when Daniel and Katie got up and spoke on Wednesday night a couple of weeks back. That was sort of to help whet your appetite for missions and to light your, your shuck for missions. And 
Uh, we're going on a mission trip actually with them on uh, Easter Sunday night. We're going to go to the airport. We're going to fly up to Dearborn and we're going to do a fact finding. We're going to go up there and see the ministry. We're going to begin to partnership with those in Dearborn who are reaching folks for the Lord. And so we're going to go up there and, and be with them. We're looking forward to just going and hanging out and getting to know some folks. But listen, one of the things you can do to be a partner with that is, I think in your uh, information you got today in your uh, newsletter, uh, it's about you know, $1,700, $1,800 to go. And we'd love for you to help us to do that. So if you'd like to do that, you can just simply uh, give a, a check towards that. You can put in your memo, uh, you know, uh, mission trip, and uh, Brother Dave will, will know where that goes. But if you'd like to help us, we sure would love for you to help us to go uh, to reach folks. So we're going to talk about God time, Group time, gather time, and go time. Today we're going to talk about God time. So how do you develop this relationship with God? Well, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We're going to look at Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus, everything he did, you realize everything Jesus did, he said he did out of relationship with the Father. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, I don't speak on my own initiative. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything out of his relationship with the Father, Jesus did or said. Now, as we think about that, we look at the life of Jesus. What did Jesus do in relationship to the Father? Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 35, as Jesus is ministering, listen to what it says he did in verse 35. It said, now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight... He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. In verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, when you begin to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, and you begin to think about him needing to spend this kind of time with the Father, and I think about how Jesus, listen, is God himself. I mean, isn't it it interesting when you read the Gospels that you clearly see God in Jesus. You really see his Godhead. You see his deity in the fact that he heals people. In the fact that he calms the sea. In the fact that he casts out demons. In the fact that he raises the dead. In the fact that he... Teaches as one, the Bible says, that had authority and not as the scribes and the Pharisees. You, you see the life of Jesus. It's clear that Jesus, the Bible said, even knew the thoughts and the intents of men's hearts, even though he was in flesh. And yet, having all of that capability, having all of that Godhead inside of him, he still withdrew from folks and spent time with the Father. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus needed to do that, how much more should we? Think about it. If Jesus did that, and often he did that, listen, he did that after a big miracle day, after a big ministry day, he would get alone. Or he'd do that before he made major decisions. We we find him here. He's in the house and he feels the need to get up in the morning and to go out and spend some time with the Father? If he did that, certainly we should be doing that. So when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that's the necessity of his life. It should be our life. Well, how did Jesus do that? Well, Mark gives us the things that Jesus did. I mean, it's pretty simple. I don't need to spend a lot of time here, but notice what Jesus did. The Bible says in Mark one thirty-five, he first of all, he spent time with God intentionally. Notice what it said in verse 35. Now in the morning, having 
risen. <laughs> he got out of bed. David, isn't that interesting? I know probably not having chickens anymore, not working those crazy hours, probably a little easier to stay in bed, isn't it? But, you know, think about, think about life and think about, you know, Jesus doing this intentionally. Does anything in your life happen by just happenstance? Well, yeah, we'd have to say some things probably do. But you know why that's the case? It's because we're not intentional people. Most people are not intentional. Most people are not going to say, well, you know, tomorrow I am deliberately going to set my alarm for 4.30 a.m. so that I can get up and I can spend time with the Lord. Now, I just heard the gasp in this room. I just heard people say, 4 a.m., are you crazy? Well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, so you just hang on to your seat, okay? But notice that Jesus, the Bible says, he got up. I, I think you have to have a little intentionality about that. You have to purposefully get out of the bed to go spend time with the Lord. Amen? So let me ask you a question. Is there any intentionality in your life when it comes to nurturing your relationship with the Father? Is there any intentionality at all? You know, do you set an alarm to get up? and go? You know, we're really good about being intentional about going to work. Well, some are. Amen? I don't, I don't see Susie here, but I can tease her a little bit because, oh, there she is. I leave sometimes a little late going and taking the girls to school. I, I have to admit I do that. But I feel good because Susie's on my tail pushing me to school. So she's there helping me along. So, you know, but we're real intentional. We're real intentional. And, and that's going to change for her. She's retiring. Bless you. Bless you. But, you know, we, we're real intentional about those kinds of things, right? But, but we have to also be intentional about our time with the Father because that's what Jesus did. But that's not all he did. Notice that not only was he intentional, but it was the priority. It says, now in the morning, now that's important. Okay, we, we you know, <laughs> there's some of you in this room, you're not morning people. I, I get it. Okay, well, maybe I know I don't get it. I'm sorry, I don't get it. All right, some of you are not morning people. I'm a morning person. I love getting up early. Uh, my coffee pot is set at 5 a.m. I love getting up early. I love getting my coffee and sitting at my desk and doing my thing. I love that because that's the way I like to start my day. Now, some of you, you're like, oh, that's just crazy, you know. So notice I didn't use the word in the morning. I used the word priority. Now, here's what I want to say to you is this. Jesus made it a priority. The first thing of his day, he, when he got up, when he woke up, Granted that he even probably went to sleep very long, but he gets up and he goes out and he begins to spend this time with the Lord. Why? Because that was his priority. That was not only an intentional moment, but it was a priority moment. He, he wanted to spend the first part of his day with the Father. And I like to do that. I like to spend the first part of my day with the Father. But I think here's the key to this. The key is if you can't get up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m. or whatever you got to do to go to work, and then, you know, do your Bible study, go to work, whatever, spend that time with the Father. Listen, here's the point. The point is that we want to give God our best time and not our leftover time. That's what we want to do, okay? That's what, that's what I'm really trying to say this morning. When we talk about it being a priority, we want to give God our best time, not our leftover time. You know, how many of y'all ever done this? You know, you, you lay down at night to go to sleep. It's 10 o'clock. You've had a hard, long day. And you sort of say this kind of prayer. Well, Lord, I know I didn't get to my devotion today, but, you know, I want you to know I love you, Lord. And then you fall asleep. Can I get an amen? Anybody ever do that? Yeah, some of y'all smiling, but you're not really saying amen. That's okay. You know, I'm guilty of that sometimes. But listen, it's because we've let, with everything else has taken the schedule and everything else has become the priority of the day. And our God time has not been the priority. So what I'm saying is that whatever's the best time for you, for my wife, it's not 5 a.m. in the morning. 
All right? For her, it's probably about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. She would love to be able to shut the door of her office and just spend that time with the Lord. So that's her best time. So what is the best time for you that you can spend with the Lord? For Jesus, the Bible says he got up early. Now, I could, you know, say that's, that should be the standard, that should be the norm or whatever. But, you know, the reality is he, God wants your best time, not your leftover time. You know, because when I give God leftovers, it usually doesn't happen. I don't like leftovers. So I don't, I don't usually give God the leftover. Amen? But not only that, notice the text. So he got up in the morning intentionally. It was a priority. But notice what it says. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed. Now, now notice what Jesus did. Jesus went to a place where there was minimal distractions. So I would say this. We ought to have time with God that's void of distractions. Are there times in your life, are there places in your life that you can go to that are less distracting places than others? For Jesus, he got out of the house. Now you think about the communal living of the people at the time of Jesus. You know, Jesus gives us the parable. He says, you know, there's a friend that comes in at midnight and the, and the guy goes to his neighbors and says, you know, hey, give me some bread, you know, and the neighbor's like, listen, we've already shut and locked the door and the children are in the bed with us. You know, that communal living is a little different than our, you know, when we were raising our kids, we, we wanted us at one end of the house and them in the bed at the other end of the house. Amen? And so, you know, our kids had their beds, they had their rooms. You know, in Jesus' time, you know, communal living was a little different. And so folks are there. So Jesus, in order to get away and to get out, and to, to have less distraction, he got out and went to a, a solitary place. So, you and I need to understand that we're going to spend time with God and it's going to be quality time. It has to be a time where there's few distractions. Henry Blackaby says this. He says, among the enemies of devotion, none is so harmful as distractions. Whatever excites the curiosity scatters the thoughts, disquiets the heart, absorbs the interest or shifts our life focus from the kingdom of God within us to the world around us. That is a distraction. And the world is full of them. Isn't that true? There are a lot of things that will lure us away. I cannot, listen, I cannot come to my office and do my devotion time. There's too many distractions. I've tried. For years I've tried. I've tried to come to work. Just too many distractions. Can't do it. Can't do it. Along with distractions, notice Jesus, the Bible says that he went to a solitary place. That is, he was alone. See, there are times where we gather together, right? That's what we're doing this morning. There are times we get in our groups and we have our group time, whether it's Sunday school or whether it's a small group during the week. But listen, your time with God should be you and God alone. You and him. Listen, I pray with my wife. But listen, when I do my devotion time, it's my time with God. Amen? We have our time where we can pray together. We can talk about the word of God together. But listen, I have my time. And you need to have your time. You need to have a time where you get along with God no distractions, just you and him. Now, we're going to talk about what to do with that in just a minute, what we do while we're there. But the last thing I want to say is that Jesus, doesn't say in this verse, but Jesus was consistent in that. You just read the gospel, you'll find that Jesus was consistently spending time with God. As a matter of fact, Luke five sixteen says this. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You know, it's really kind of interesting. You go back to Luke and read in Luke 5. It's really kind of an interesting text because the Bible says that Jesus, they brought all these people to Jesus and he healed them. And then immediately it says this, but he often withdrew 
That was kind of interesting to me. It's, it's like, you know, Jesus is busy. He's doing a lot of stuff. But he's, it's like a reminder. Luke gives us a reminder saying, hey, listen, that's not all Jesus did. Jesus just, just, just spent a bunch of time with a bunch of people. He got alone with God. He got alone with the Father. Because everything Jesus did, listen, flowed out of his relationship with the Father. And it's the same thing for you and for me. So there's what Jesus did. So what do we do? What, how do we sort of do that? Because the Father, listen, the Father wants to use us. He wants to do things through our life and through our relationship. So let me just give you a couple of practical things. I'm, I'm winding down, I promise. I'm winding down. I'm not going to be long because it's not really hard. And I don't want it to become some religious activity. And I certainly don't want you to do this. I don't want you to, okay, here's step one. I get my devotion time. Here's step one. Here's step two. Here's step three. You know, I, that's not my point this morning, okay? My point is, when you go to have this quiet time, when you go to nurture this relationship with God the Father, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to have the right priority or the right goal in mind. What is the goal of your devotion time? The goal of your devotion time goes all the way back to the very beginning of this sermon series, and that is, it is about relationships. And it goes back to the relationship with the Father. So what is the goal of your devotion time? It is to know the Father. Amen? It's to know him. If you enter into your devotion time with saying, well, this is my religious duty, this is my responsibility, this is what I got to do, then you're not going to know the Father. What you're going to do is you're going to rush in, rush out. Because listen, when there's a duty, you just want to get it over. Amen? You ever have duties awaiting you? Guys, you had that honeydew list before you? Ladies, you, you know what it's like, you know? You got the kids come home from school. Where does the time go? It goes by so fast. By the time they get home from school, you do homework, you do dishes, or you do dinner, you do dishes. You know, it's like 10 o'clock at night. It's like, where does it all go, right? Because it's duty. We just push through. We just do what we got to do. And that's what we we'll do with devotion. If we say, well, listen, the devotion time is just about me getting this religious duty out of the way, and that's what we've done for so long, then we just rush through it. But when I stop and say, you know what? This is about me spending time with the Father. I don't know about you. I like spending time with people. Marie and I went to a restaurant yesterday in Delville. And we spent 40 minutes talking to the owner of the restaurant. Just 40 minutes. I mean, just chatting and talking about ministry and about the Lord. We just began to talk, you know? I, I love doing that kind of thing. I love where I can spend time with God. And my devotional life is so much different when I realize the goal is not about how much I, I have to read or get through the Bible in a year or, or whatever, you know, how many chapters I got to read today. Listen, it's about spending time with him, getting to know him. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Prepare your heart. Don't just rush in, but take time to prepare your heart. Don't hurry. Let me give you three key words about that. Number one, pray. You know, use this prayer if you want. Listen, I wrote this prayer down. God, I need you today. <laughs> That's pretty simple, isn't it? God, I need you today. I need your grace to even spend this time with you. Lord, if you desire to speak to me today, I'll do my best to listen. You know, sometimes we just got to remind ourselves, God, I need you even to do devotions. Amen? Everything, I, listen, remember, everything out of my relationship with God happens. And so even to have my devotion time, God, I need you. I need your grace. Because let's just be honest. Not, not every day do we do our devotion time and we have a, wow, big bang, you know, kind of happens in our mind. And we go, wow, that's some thought I never thought of before. You know, it's just like tremendous, you know. And, and a lot of times I think it's because we've not availed ourselves to the presence of God. We've rushed in and we've not prayed and we're trying to get it done. So pray, have faith, acknowledge his prayer. Do you realize when you pray, you're in the presence of God? Amen. You're in the presence of God. If you don't know how to do that, listen, get a little book called uh, Practicing the Presence of God by Andrew Murray. Great book. It will help you. But listen, you're in the presence of God. And then have patience. Take time 
to focus on the Lord. Take time and focus on the Lord. Number three, write this down. Enjoy his presence. You know, go in spending time with the Lord by spending time in the word. You say, oh, I knew we were going to get around the Bible reading. Well, of course you got to because how, how else are you going to know God? How do you know him? You say, well, I can look at the stars. Well, bless God. If you're a Christian, you get that out of that. You know, if you, if you look at, if you're a believer and you go out and you, you know, you're on a lake and you see the beauty of God's creation all around you, you see a beautiful sunset. If you're a Christian, you go, man, God is just awesome. But let me tell you something. God didn't give us those things to sustain us. God gave us those things to point us. Point us where? To his written word. Read Romans 1. Listen, all that creation is not sufficient enough. We need the written word. God wants to communicate. He wants to speak into your life. And he wants to do that not through a star. He wants to do that through the word of God. And that's why he has given it to us. He has preserved it for us. And we even got it in our own language. Isn't that pretty awesome? We got the Bible in our own language today that we can read. And we can begin to study. And we can learn who God is. And maybe as we pray through the word of God, maybe we would say this. Here's a couple of things to, think, to consider. When you're reading the word of God, is there a promise that God may give you there? then what you got to do is claim it. Amen? Perhaps as you read the word, there's a sin that God points out to you. There's a sin you come across in your own life. You know, you didn't even realize you had, and God reveals it to you the way you do. Confess it. Perhaps as God is talking to you, maybe there's a question that arises in your mind. You ever have questions? Anybody ever have questions for God? Yeah, I have a lot of questions sometimes for God. You know? David, I sort of sometimes ask him, you know what I'm saying? You know, just say, God, I got a question. You know, he doesn't always give me an answer. You know, and sometimes I find an answer later, you know, through somebody smarter than me. Um, but, you know, I have a question. God, I don't understand this. I don't, know what's, I don't understand this going on in my life, you know. Is there a command? Maybe there's a command you got to submit to. Maybe God's, you know, you're reading your devotion time and God says, go make disciples, you know. And, and that finally, you know, for the first time maybe becomes real to you. And you say, you know what? God, I need to repent of that and I want to follow that command. I need to go make disciples. And you start making disciples. That's just interesting, isn't it, how we do that, how God begins to work in our life. You know, so enjoy his presence. Realize that he is there. So what are the practical applications? And I'll be done. I'm going to give you four, and then I'm going to read two quotes, and I'm going to pray. Listen to some practical applications. Number one, just set a time for your quiet time. I don't care if it's 5 a.m., 4 a.m. I don't care if it's 5 in the afternoon. Are you giving God the priority time of your life? The best time where you can do your best. Are you giving him that? Another, number two, practical application. Aim for quality, not quantity. You've heard me say many, many a days as I preach, do not worry about trying to read the Bible through in a year. What a great aspiration. But man, I would rather you read a chapter. I'd rather you read a paragraph and God open it up to you through the Holy Spirit and teach you something and you learn something. Your life has changed by that than for you to read through the Bible in a year and get nothing. Amen, but a bunch of knowledge. I'm not saying you're going to get anything but knowledge. But you may just get knowledge. It's not about knowledge. It's about relationship. Perhaps maybe you would want to read a book of the Bible for consistency. That's the third one. You know, sometimes it's better to be in a book of the Bible. Maybe just start with the Gospels. Say, I'm going to go through the Gospel of Matthew. I'm just going to read through each day. And I want to see the life of Jesus. You know, it would be a great companion to the sermon series we just did. I want to see the life of Jesus and, you know, learn from him. Because I want to be like Jesus. Amen. That's what a Jesus follower is. Be like Jesus. And number four, write this one down. Don't stray too far from the Gospels. Why? Because we do want to be like Jesus. We want our life to be like him. And we learn a lot from following him. Two quotes and I'll be done. Clyde Cranfield, we've been, or Cranford, we've been using... Some of his materials we've been going through the series. He says this, for the Christian, his entire life is to be 
about the in, or excuse me, an intimate walk with God. Let me start over. For the Christian, his entire life is to be an intimate walk with God. But that intimacy is developed one day at a time as he sets aside each day some increment of time exclusively for communion with his God. There is no substitute for this time. This is where intimacy begins. A.W. Tozer says this, There is hardly ever a complete silence in our soul. He is always whispering to us. Only we do not always hear because of the noise, the hurry, or distraction with which life causes us to rush through. Think about that for a minute. You know I lied to you. Preachers never end when they say they're going to. But a thought came to me this morning. It wasn't even part of my notes. That's why I forgot about it, but I just remembered it. You know, when I was reading through the book of Exodus, there's a time where the people began to cry out to God. They were hungry. And so God, give us something to eat. And so God rained down this thing called manna. And when, when manna came down, God had very specific instructions. God said, when you go out and you collect this manna, just collect enough for the day. Don't, don't collect for tomorrow, next week. You know, you don't have a freezer anyway, so just collect enough for the day. An interesting thing is that those who collected not enough had just enough. Then those who collected more, the, the worms were there in the morning. <laughs> so they had to go out and collect more. You know that? And God said, they for Sabbath, they weren't going to work on the Sabbath, so he collected two times as much. So he'd have enough for the Sabbath to get through. And you know what? It was interesting. Those who collected too little had enough. Those who collected too much, they had worms in their stuff. You know what God was trying to teach them, right? God was trying to teach them that, listen, every single day, they are dependent on him. Can I tell you something, folks? Your devotional time, your time with God yesterday is not going to carry you through today. You need him every day. You need fresh manna every day. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.